There's a huge difference in knowing about someone and knowing someone. So if I were to come up to you today and say, what is God like, what would you say? You see, God has revealed Himself to us in the Bible and through Jesus Christ as, as a God of the Trinity. He's revealed Himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Christian church, we refer to this as the Trinity. It's a descriptive term of three in one. God is three persons, He's one God, and this is the foundation of, of Christianity. And, and a lot of people are going to ask me, why is this such a big deal? Well, let me tell you, because the Trinity is everywhere. How do you know that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? Well, according to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, a part of the Trinity, has to come to you and, and convince you that you need Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is sent by God the Father. So the Trinity has to reveal to you that you're even a sinner. When you ask Jesus to forgive your sins and be the leader of your life, that's how you become adopted into God's family. Um, do you know how, uh, how do you know that, that that has happened and that you're going to go to heaven? After you've prayed that prayer, how do you know that you have the assurance of heaven? Well, again, according to the Bible, it's the Trinity. The Holy Spirit seals you as a down payment. And, and we're going to look at some other things about that. But it's the Trinity that shows you that you are now adopted into God's family and you have heaven in your future. Um, how can you learn to forgive your past hurts, habits, and hang-ups? The Trinity gives you the power to do things you could never do on your own. How can you have an incredible marriage where you have deep intimacy and communication? Yes, it can happen between the sexes. It's through the power of the Trinity. How can you be a good parent, a good friend, a good worker? Well, it's all through the power of the Trinity. So in this series, we're going to answer two questions. First of all, we're going to answer what is the Trinity, and then we're going to answer the question, why does the Trinity matter? So let's look at this first question. Trinity, and, and I didn't put this on your listening guide, but you may want to write this down. Trinity means tri-unity, tri-unity, or three-in-oneness. Now, a lot of folks get hung up on this idea because the word Trinity is not in the Bible. You will not find Trinity anywhere in the original manuscripts. But all this is is a theological term describing what is taught in the Bible. The idea of the Trinity is there. And in fact, the idea of the, the Trinity is in both the Old and the New Testament. One of the most famous passages, most well-known passages where the Trinity is mentioned is Jesus. He is giving some final instructions to his disciples before he leaves the earth. He's been, re he's been crucified. He's been resurrected. He's walked around for 40 days alive and he's appeared to over 500 people at different times, some of them at the same time. And he's giving his last final instructions. It's kind of like on the sidelines, you know, I, I used to play football in high school and, and the coach would gather us around and he'd give us one final instruction before we go out on the field. This is Jesus' final instruction before the disciples were supposed to go and carry out his orders to all the rest of the world. Here it is in Matthew 28, 19, the last words of Jesus as they broke the huddle. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. From the very beginning, Christianity baptized people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because that's what Jesus told them to do. The founder of Christianity said, there is a trinity. I want you to baptize in the name of all three. So just because the term trinity is not in the Bible, don't get hung up on that because the idea is certainly taught by Jesus. And we're going to look at a whole bunch of places over the next four weeks where you can see examples of this. But I want to give you three big honking statements about the Trinity that we're going to come back to over and over again. Three big honking statements. 
Y'all just say that. Three big honking statements. Okay, just making sure you're out there. Big honking statement number one is God is three persons. Big honking statement number two, each is fully God. Big honking statement number three, there is one God. Now, if you go to small group this week, you're going to have an opportunity to discuss some really in-depth stuff about the Trinity, and I hope you're plugged in. If not, there are sign-up sheets out in the back. Um, I have a small group at my house. It's a brand-new small group. Um, and if you're interested, if you don't know anybody else and you want to go to one, just go back there and sign up on a sheet, and we'll, we'll get you instructions about where to go. Now, some of you folks are thinking, folks, and, and you say, now, wait a minute. If I, if I look at those statements, that's a contradiction. No, it's not. A contradiction would be there is one God, there is not one God. These three statements are not contradictions. These are a mystery. A contradiction is there is not one God, there is one God. But we're going to look at a mystery. We sing a song around here, and, and we'll do it sometime during this series. It's bigger than my imagination. And it says... Um, God is bigger than my imagination. He's larger than the world of dreams. You're greater than the sum of, a, of all love, Lord. You're everything to me. God is bigger than this brain. And, and uh, honestly, you need a God that's bigger than my brain. I need a God that's bigger than your brain. If I can fit everything about God into this mind, I don't really need God. And, and that's where a lot of folks have gotten off track. They have put themselves as God. And and uh, I wouldn't be a good God. You wouldn't be a good God. So we need to understand who this God is as He's revealed Himself to us. We're limited in our understanding. God is unlimited. Look at Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. God is talking and He says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth... So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So the bottom line is God is bigger. He's more powerful. He knows more than us. And while on this planet, we're not going to have a complete understanding of who God is because of our limitations. God is a spirit. He doesn't have a physical body like us, but there is something that we can see because Jesus described what heaven is like. Because when folks get to heaven, they recognize other people. They recognize Jesus. They recognize some of the heroes of the faith from the Old Testament. There's going to be some type of form that we can see, but it's not going to be this physical body that you and I have here right now. This is a limited body. And just because we can't understand everything about God doesn't mean we shouldn't try to understand more about the Trinity or more about Him. Because the more I get to know God, the more I love Him. The more I get to know God, the more I become like Him. And you do too. If I don't like or love God while I'm on this planet, if I spend all of my time on this planet trying to get away from God, denying God, what would make me think that I would like heaven? And by the way, if you don't like a diversity of people, you're not going to like heaven. Go to the book of Revelation, the last one in the, in the whole Bible. And it says that there are going to be representations from every tribe, nation, and tongue in heaven. If you don't like that here, if you don't like the bride of Christ here, you're not going to like the bride of Christ in heaven. If you spend all of your time here running from God, why do you think He's all of a sudden going to grant you some reprieve? And you would like heaven. That doesn't make any sense. So we're going to try to get to know God better over these next several weeks. James White has written a book, and, and if you want to read a book on this, this would be a good one, but The Forgotten Trinity, um, to address this, this mystery of a God who revealed himself in three persons. Here's what he said. The Trinity, 
I love this. The Trinity is a truth that tests our dedication to the principle that God is smarter than we are. Now, we say that all the time, but then we live as if we're smarter than God. That's what gets us in trouble. Now, if, if you're a seeker, if you're, if you're not sure about this whole God thing, this church is for you. We love questions. In fact, if you ever want to answer, uh, ask some questions, write it on the back of your registration card, because I read those every Sunday afternoon and I pray through those things if you have prayer concerns, but write some questions down and, and come to my small group. We, I love, I love discussions about God. Um, if you have questions, this is a great series for you to be at because you're going to have a greater understanding, a greater foundation of who it is you're seeking. We say that anybody who's not a follower of God is a seeker because you're seeking something to give your life meaning and purpose. You don't know what it is. You may not realize it's Jesus yet, but as you get to understand who he is, if you'll keep coming and you get plugged in, we believe there's going to be a time that you're going to come face to face with your need of Christ, that you're going to face a Christless eternity without him, and you're going to say, wow, this makes sense. I'm going to give my life to Christ. That's what we believe. That's why we started this church. So this is a great series for you if you're a seeker. But if you're a Christian, this is a great series as well. The problem with a lot of Christians is they're about this deep. They don't have a firm foundation of what it is they believe. And so then when somebody comes in with some creative talk or maybe a good book, they say, oh, that's the God. And they start chasing all these different representations of God. We're going to try to get rid of that. Because look at what, what Paul says in Ephesians 4.14. If you have a strong foundation, he says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. No one would do that, would they? No one would try to trick us with their understanding of Scripture. Nobody would be that mean, would they? Not in America. Every world religion other than Christianity has a jacked-up view of the Trinity. Now, um... The reason is because the founders of those religions refused to, to embrace the God of the Bible as revealed in the Bible and in Jesus Christ. And so they got some jacked up view about the Trinity and they started teaching something that didn't square with Scripture. And usually, actually probably in every world religion, the founder of that religion was going to benefit if people started following his understanding of God rather than the Bible's understanding of God. Usually they would, they would profit financially and definitely socially if someone would follow their agenda instead of the God as revealed in the scripture. And, and next week we're going to look at some specific ways that other world religions have messed up this idea of the Trinity. Now in the Bible, that's our standard. That's our source of authority. We will find that God is omnipotent. These are the omnis. I remember these back when I was in Sunday school, way back when in, in Borger, Texas at First Baptist Church, they would teach us the omnis of God. And there's three omnis about God. One is God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. God can do anything that God wants to do. The second one is God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. Nothing happens in this world that takes him by surprise. God is not startled. He doesn't have the, the Macaulay Culkin look, you know, on, on Home Alone. That's not God when something happens in your life. You may be that way, but it may be because you're not dialed into God. He, he knows everything. And then the last one is God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere all at once. Can your mind grasp that? Not without exploding, but that's okay. We're limited by time, space, past, present, and future, but God is not limited. And as we open up the Bible, we'll discover that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are also 
omnipotent. They're also omniscient. And they're also omnipresent. As we recognize this, we grow spiritually. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And, this, and he says, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. When we're on this earth, our understanding is going to be limited. It's going to be like a child's. But after death, we'll understand. Look what he says in, in verse 12 of that same chapter. Now we see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror. You understand that, right? You ever seen your mirror fogged up and you can't tell what you look like? He says, we understand in this life like we're looking in a cloudy mirror. But look what his promise is. But then when we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Now, our limited understanding should not keep us from exploring the Trinity. Jesus said in, in Matthew 28, 19, we just read it, go and make disciples. Now, a disciple, the, the meaning of that term is a learner. Anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ is a learner. And, and becoming a follower of Christ is, is, there's two things. It's a decision followed by a process. The decision says, I need what only God has to offer. The decision is to believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The decision is, God saw that I needed a Savior. He sent this Savior, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death in my place, and then was raised the third day. And then, when Jesus went back to heaven, He sent the Trinity to live, or sent the Holy Spirit to live inside believers. So the decision part is, I believe God the Father. I believe God the Son. I believe God the Holy Spirit. That's the decision part. The process part is, I am going to be a learner and learn more about God and hopefully look more like God next year than I do this year. My goal is that New Life Community Church becomes the, the, the most mature spiritual uh, group of people in Palestine. Now, is that arrogant? No, that should be the goal of every church. We do not want spiritual infants running around here all the time. You get in a lot of trouble if all you have are spiritual infants. So we want people to grow up. Your decision to follow Christ is, I believe in the Trinity. And then the process is, I'm going to learn about God. And as I learn about Him, I grow in my relationship with Him. Now, if you think about it, this whole illustration of the Trinity is everywhere, kind of like in a cloudy mirror, or in one translation of Scripture it says kind of sh um, uh, in the shadows. You think about uh, if you're a father today, you are a husband, a dad, and a son, or at least you were at one time. Time is past, present, future. The Trinity. Space is length, width, height. It's even in the world of music. You got earth, wind, and fire. I didn't know if any of y'all would get that, but um, we thought we'd try. That is real cheesy, but I'll do anything to help you remember the Trinity. Family, you got husband, wife, offspring. And the Trinity is not the easiest thing to understand. But you don't have to understand something totally to experience it. Let me, let me give you some examples. How many of you understand the Internet besides Al Gore, who invented it? You fully understand you don't either. I could get you up here and I'd say, explain the intricacies of the internet. I push a button and it goes. There's a camera and I have Skype and I can talk to somebody. It's kind of delayed, you know. Nobody, you use it though, don't you? Some of you that are, that are in my category a little bit older, 
You remember VCRs? Remember trying to program those things? You didn't understand it, but you used it. Oh, uh, let's get up to date. DVRs. Do you understand fully how you can, you can record two shows and watch another show? Unless you're on that new AT&T thing, then you can record four shows at once and watch a different one in each room. You don't understand it. How many of you fully understand gravity? Uh Uh-uh. Because if you did, you wouldn't get on bikes, you wouldn't climb ladders, you wouldn't do anything where you could fall because you don't fully understand gravity. All right, let's just use, let's use the, the most basic one. Men, how many of you understand women? It's, it's eerily silent because you understand. I can't react. That's really funny. I'd like to, but I will pay for it later. I, I understand one of our guys, when they walked into um, Champion Forest Baptist Church, you know, thousands of people, about 5,000 folks that can fit in the auditorium. I don't know if it's packed or whatever, but walks in and, and notices that there are some nice-looking girls around and says, man, there's some talent here. Now, he was appreciating the opposite sex, but he was not understanding. I guarantee you he wasn't understanding. Ladies, now we're simple. Guys are simple, but you don't understand us because you'll say, I know this about my man, but I don't understand it and I don't have to like it to love you, right? You don't have to fully understand. Some of you are laughing louder than others because you're like, wow. I talk to a lot of you. I live with a beautiful woman who is probably one of the most logical females on the face of the planet three weeks out of every month. And there's this one week where this alien moves in and I just love her and hold her. and Yes, baby. My dad told me when I got married to stick my head in a 55-gallon drum, barrel drum, And just say, yes, dear, to practice what it would sound like because he said that's what you're going to be doing the rest of your life. My dad doesn't understand women, but he knows how to get out of trouble. (laughs) Now, you can appreciate something without having a full understanding of it, right? That's the whole point. So you don't have to have a full understanding of God. In fact, if you have a full mental grasp on who God is, what does that say about the size of your God? I want a God that whether he does or not... You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They said before they were put into the fiery furnace, the king said, bow down to this image or I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And they said one of the most incredible things. I hope if I'm ever in this situation, I would answer the same way. They said, our God is able to deliver us from that fire, O king. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow to you. Puts them in the fire. God delivers. The king says, I need to meet this God. He's a powerful God. My God is powerful enough to heal any disease. He may not choose to do it because God's purpose in our living is not our happiness. God's purpose in us in us even breathing is our holiness. Do you realize if if marriage was just meant to make you happy, you'd have to change spouses every two or three months. God's purpose in marriage is to make you holy. And, and don't, don't even hear me saying bad things about my wife because that's not what I'm saying. When God gives you a spouse, He gives you a full-length mirror to show you what you're really like. I didn't know how selfish I was until I got married and had children. And then it was just all out there for everyone to see. God created us 
and, and gave us these physical bodies with limitations because He doesn't want us to live here forever. He wants us to have this restlessness. We, we feel this pain and hurt and sorrow in this life because God doesn't want us to get all that attached to this life because this life is not all there is. And we learn that through the power of the Holy Spirit. So my whole point there is you don't have to fully understand something to experience it. Now, understanding the Trinity, there's three reasons, and, and we're going to conclude with this today. Three reasons. And uh, again, because I'll do anything to help you remember, understanding the Trinity is rad. That goes way back. <laughs> but you're going to have to say it. Um, understanding the Trinity is rad. Say that. I heard Ashley. Thank you, Ashley, for playing. Um, everybody else now, understanding the Trinity is rad. All right. First thing of rad is it refines our relationship with God. Understanding the Trinity refines our relationship with God. The more you understand about God, the deeper your worship and your relationship can be. Jesus told the woman at the well, if you remember, he was in a Samaritan territory and, and Jewish rabbis did not talk with Samaritan women. That was just... Uh, that was taboo. Jesus talks to her and they begin talking about worship. And Jesus says, you must worship God in spirit and in truth. The reason this is such a big deal is one third of truth is not truth. Two thirds of truth is not truth, regardless of which idea of the Trinity, which person of the Trinity you reject. That is not truth as revealed in Scripture. In fact, Jesus Christ said, I am the way and the truth. Truth is not some abstract, abstract concept that if you sit out under a tree in some funk religious clothing and you go, mm, that's something that's going to be revealed to you. That's not truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the truth is a person. The truth. In fact, you can't know the truth of your relationship until you've heard from Jesus Christ. The disciples in the boat, when, when the, they were in the wind and the waves going across the Sea of Galilee, which is really just a big honking lake, but it was so bad that fishermen said, we're going to die, Jesus, we're going to die. Don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus is asleep. And the reality, the truth, according to their perspective, was we're going to die. I don't know if you've ever been in the lake like that. I've been in the lake like that in a little 14-foot boat on six-foot waves. The truth is, I'm going to die. My family was preparing me for what would happen when the boat tumped over, not if. When the boat tumps over, Doug, you hold on to the boat. That will freak you out if you're six years old. I had my life jacket on. It wasn't the one you put. It was those that float up around, you know, and choke you. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die. That's what the disciples thought. Until Jesus woke up and he goes, peace be still. And, and you've been around storms. When storms end, it takes a while for the waves to end. Not when truth speaks. Jesus said, peace be still, and it was calm. They thought they were going to die, but truth was asleep. When truth woke up and he said, peace be still, the truth of the situation is he had told them before they ever got in the boat, we're going to go to the other side. Some of us have forgotten that God has told us some things and if God has told you, that's a problem. A lot of times we'll say something. You know, we used to use that when we'd break up with somebody in college. The Lord has revealed to me. That's rad. You just did that while I was talking? You've got to be careful who you put on the computer uh, during a sermon. That's rad. Thank you. We'll use that. And, and... But we used to say, God told me that I'm not to date you anymore. God told me a lot of times not to date somebody in the first place. But then I would date them and then, you know, got to break up. And 
It's not you. It's not me. It's God's fault that I'm breaking up with you. That's not truth. When truth speaks, stuff happens when Jesus speaks. So understanding the Trinity refines our relationship with God. Ephesians 1.17 says, I ask the glorious Father and, and, <laughs> Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you His Spirit. The Spirit will make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. There's another reference to the Trinity. God's Spirit lives inside of those who are His followers and makes you wise. A lot of times folks will tell me, uh, and in fact, um, David Mutchie's being baptized today, and, and he told me that when he started um, uh, experimenting with our church and you know just testing the waters, that, that something would happen in his life, and then invariably when he would come to church, I would say something about that, and I said, you know that has to be God. That can't be me. I'm not that smart. And he's like, yeah, you're right. You're not. He confirmed that I wasn't that smart. But it had to be God, and that's why he kept coming. If there's ever anything in your life where God speaks to you, uh, through me or through anybody else, the Holy Spirit takes God's commands and His truth and he, he makes you aware of that if you're a follower of God. If you're not and you never hear that, I would wonder whether I'm a follower of God or whether I'm so far from God I couldn't hear Him if He was right inside my head. The, the Holy Spirit helps you understand. And in fact, we'll look at these scriptures more later, but uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, the natural man, that means someone who's not a follower of God, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. If you're not a Christ follower, you can't even understand God until His Holy Spirit comes and begins to make things clear to you. So the first part of RAD is it refines our relationship with God, understanding the Trinity. Number two, it also aligns our understanding of the Gospel. Now, we use this term a lot, and if you ever go to church and you hear gospel, gospel, all that is is it means good news. The gospel is the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the good news is that Jesus Christ, God's Son, has come to give His life for you. And if you want to go to heaven, if you want to be forgiven for all of your sins, all you have to do is come to Jesus Christ and say, I have messed up. Will you accept me? Will you forgive me? You do that, that's a transaction where God begins to drive your life and He adopts you into His family. So this whole understanding of the gospel, the good news, it's aligned when we understand the Trinity. God has this perfect relationship. And see, the, the problem with every other world religion except Christianity is it's me-centered. The founders, and we'll talk about some of the founders of these other religions, they started something based on their understanding and they got something out of it. And if I follow their belief system and I do these do's and don'ts, I have these rules and regulations, if I follow those, then I get something in return. So my definition of re religion is man's efforts, human's efforts to get to God. Christianity, I've studied the world religions. Christianity is the only one where God says, they can't get to me. i got to do something to get to them. And understanding the Trinity aligns our understanding of the gospel. John Piper, some of you know John Piper, and I know Drew and some others have heard him speak uh, at College Week at Glorietta years ago. He said, unless we begin with God this way, meaning God at the center of, of the gospel, unless we begin with God this way, when the gospel comes to us, we will inevitably put ourselves at the center of the gospel. We will feel that our value, our value rather than God's value is the driving force of the gospel. We will trace the gospel back to God's need for us instead of tracing it back to a sovereign grace that rescues sinners in need of God. 
Here's the deal. When we understand the Trinity, we understand that God created us not because He needed someone to love, but He wanted someone to love. Next week we'll look more at, in, in Genesis chapter 1. God said, when He said, let us create man in our image. Us? Who's us? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God existed in this perfect unity before we were ever created. God didn't need us. He created us out of love though, and He gave us this crazy thing called freedom of choice. And when you have freedom of choice, you have the choice not to follow God. And that leads you to hell. People say, how can a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't. People choose it when they reject God. So the loving God gives us all of these options to come to Him. And we exist for God. Salvation doesn't come from discovering your inner spirit because there is nothing inside of me that's pleasant. My deeper motivations are sinful motivations. Salvation needs to come from outside of me, and that's exactly what Christianity teaches. That the Holy Spirit comes inside of me, cleans me up from the inside out, and helps me look more like Jesus Christ. So you got rad. It refines our relationship with God. It aligns our understanding of the gospel. And third, it defines the uniqueness of Christianity. It defines the uniqueness of Christianity. Anytime you hear a person say, well, all religions lead to God. The nice thing to respond to that is, is to say to them, well, obviously you've not studied all the religions. Because really what they ought to be doing is putting on a big old placard that says, I'm ignorant. Not stupid. I'm not calling anybody stupid. But if you say that all religions lead to God, you have to be ignorant because they're mutually exclusive. A Muslim may say that we serve the same God, but you say, oh, you serve a God who revealed Himself through the Bible and through Jesus Christ. Oh, no, not that God. Because they'll believe that Jesus is a prophet, but not God. They'll believe that Jesus died on a stake, but not on the cross. That's the Jehovah's Witnesses as well. See, they take one person of the Trinity and they mess it up, and, and that's where you've got to understand the foundation of Christianity. Hank Hanegraaff said, when we... He's the Bible answer man... Uh, he says, when we speak of the Trinity, we speak of one what and three who's. One what and three who's. Because if you ever get into discussion with a Muslim about this, he's going to say, do you, do you see three gods when you get to heaven? And the answer is no. One what is the being of God. There is one God. He's revealed himself, the who's in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The cultic rejections of the Trinity blur the distinctions between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And if you don't recognize this distinction, you are going to be led astray. Since the beginning of time, men and women have been putting themselves in the center of the universe. And life breaks down and does not work. When it works is when we respond to what God has shown us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit and we respond to him that way. 1 Corinthians 1, 20 and 25 says, Where is the wise man? Because see, some of these religions, if you start listening to some of their charismatic speakers, you'll say, oh, that makes sense. Listen to what this is. Where is the wise man? Because Paul is writing this to the church at Corinth who's, who's being led astray by some really um, good philosophy, some really good speakers Paul writes this letter and he says, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? And look what he says. Has not God made the foolish, made foolish the wisdom of the world? For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. 
I need a God. You need a God bigger than your imagination. I need a God larger than my dreams. I can't fully explain everything about God, but I can tell you a couple of things. Without the Trinity, you have no gospel. You have no good news. Without the Trinity, we can just pack up and go home. When we baptize, we're going to baptize this morning. We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Tri-God. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember that God sent His Son to die for us, and the remembering happens in the power of the Holy Spirit, so we do that in the power of the Trinity. Christianity is all about the Trinity. Remove the loving Father, the one who conceived our salvation. Remove the redeeming Son, the one who is the sacrifice for our sins. Remove the indwelling Spirit who Jesus called the Comforter and the Teacher. Remove any one of those things and you do not have Christianity left. And that makes it just like any other religion. Understanding the Trinity is rad. I want you to take your registration cards and fill those out if you would. And I always have you write something on the back. And I want you to write, if, if you mean this as a prayer to God, I want you to write the same thing that I had you pray earlier. God, reveal yourself to me. Or if you're a seeker, you could write it this way. God, if you're real, show me. One of the most radical prayers you can ever pray. But here's the deal. When you pray a prayer like that, you have to begin to connect what happens next with your prayers. This is why so many Christians get messed up when they're praying and say, oh, God never answers my prayer. God always answers prayer. Yes, no, or wait. It's not the right time. God always answers prayer. The, the thing we get upset with is when God doesn't answer my prayer the way I want Him to answer it because I think I know better than God. Let's just be real. But if you will, if you'll start to pray and you'll start to watch things that happen in your life and realize that little things that you thought were a coincidence, maybe it's the hand of God moving. Now, the last thing I want you to do is just base all of your, your answered prayers or your, your response to prayer on circumstances. Because we can manipulate circumstances. You, you go to, you go to a youth conference and you see a lot of talent there and some girl looks at you and you go, hey, God revealed, no, no. See, we can manipulate circumstances. But what I'm saying is, if you pray that someone will become um, more receptive to God, because we do this all the time. We, you know, I told you that all over this floor and, and the floor all over the, the, our church are names of people that we've been praying that God will bring into the family of God. All over the place. And if you start praying for those people, and, and then, then one day they, they say to you, oh, man, I, I'm really struggling with understanding why I'm even alive. That's an opportunity for a spiritual conversation. But too often we're like, oh yeah, good luck with that. And we go on. And God has just put you there with a divine appointment to help somebody out. But you're in such a stinking hurry with your life that you miss it. You pray enough times and God gives you enough appointments and you miss them, He'll give them to someone else who's paying attention. So the whole point of that is, when you pray, ask God to make you aware when He is answering. If someone calls you today and, and they want to talk to you and you had not talked to them in a while, maybe God is trying to get your attention. If someone comes and does something for you just totally that's not normal for your relationship, you know, if somebody, if somebody wants to confess to you, 
go back to, to when Justin came to me several years ago and said, dude, I need to talk to you. I could have walked away from him and said, dude, I don't have time right now. But somehow God just gave me patience on a Sunday morning. And he was there early enough. And thank you for coming early enough, Justin. He was there early enough that he shared with me. And, and as I walked away, I thought that was a God moment. Because people don't just normally come up to you and say, hey, man, I got to tell you something. I, I didn't like you. I hated you for 10 years. And I said bad things about you. But I don't want to do that anymore. That's, that's not natural. That's supernatural. So let's connect our prayers with what happens next in our lives. 